Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Do you solemnly swear that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that you will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that you would take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which you are about to enter, so help you God. Congratulations. You're now members of the 114. Hello, I'm Congressman G.K. Butterfield asking for your support as I seek to once again serve you in Congress. Too many North Carolina families are struggling to make ends meet and put food on the table, but that's not right. If you work hard and play by the rules, you should have a fair shot at achieving the American dream. But for too many, this dream feels out of reach. No single mother in America should work and still live in poverty. No veteran who has defended our country should come home but have no place to call home. No family should have to worry about how it will care for elderly parents when that same family is having trouble caring for itself. We can do better. America deserves better. But the extreme policies of Republicans here in Washington and in Raleigh are making life worse. They are cutting programs that provide a safety net for the poor and help grow the middle class. In Washington, Republicans shut down the government, refuse to help the long-term unemployed, and are denying millions of Americans a pay raise. In Raleigh, Republicans cut education funding. They cut it to the bone, denied a half million people access to health care by refusing to expand the Medicaid program, and are trying to silence people by making it harder to vote. It is clear the Republicans in Washington and Raleigh are pursuing the same destructive path. Enough is enough. It's time to move our country in a new direction. When I spoke recently at a Moral Monday rally, I joined the diverse coalition demanding that we improve our policies and our politics. We have a moral obligation to ensure that we do not sacrifice the common good of the many for the benefit of the few. Our mission is to close the opportunity gap. Our mission is to reduce poverty and grow the middle class. I am running for Congress so I can continue to fight for what we believe in. I believe no one who works every day should live in poverty. So we must expand opportunity, not only to urban America, but to rural America as well. I believe we should fight as hard for our veterans as they have fought for us. I believe women deserve equal pay for equal work. Ultimately, I believe that America's best days lie ahead. 
But my friends, we're in a fight for our future. It's a fight we can win if we do it together. Our work begins now. Ladies and gentlemen of America, welcome in. This is AJC Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill. And folks, if you're wondering what was that that you just heard, may not be proper English, but I'll tell you right now, tonight we shine the spotlight on a man by the name of Congressman G.K. Butterfield. And I'll tell you, he's talking about things that not only shape North Carolina, but they shape America. Folks, hang on to your seats. AJC Radio is at the runway, and it's time for takeoff. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt, and the whole AJC Radio team. Tonight, we shine the light on G.K. Butterfield. And talking, Lisa, at the before this show took off, uh, tonight we have an opportunity and a privilege to honor a man that's making a difference here on Capitol Hill. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think the interview we did with him, the time we spent with him in his office, was really enlightening. He said a lot of very interesting things, and he actually taught me a few things listening to him speak. And I think it's going to be a great thing for the for the nation to hear that this evening. No, absolutely. And, Dennis, you and I had an opportunity uh, to talk as well. Uh, Congressman Butterfield is not someone that's talking the talk without walking the walk. And that's what we say on this program your thoughts on the Congressman before we dig into this apple pie of Spotlight on Capitol Hill? I truly love his view on veteran. I'm a veteran myself, and uh, he's uh, he's all about military and uh, about making sure our veterans, you know, are being taken care of. And, and that's a big thing because, uh, you know, we got veterans on the street right now, uh, homeless, uh, you know, without, you know, jobs and and the way he's talking, I mean, I, I think he's he's going to do some good things. No, without a, without uh, no doubt to that, rather, uh, uh, Dennis, uh, we're looking forward to that conversation tonight. Lisa, the disclaimer for America. Yes, we just want to remind everyone that we are not attorneys and that a just cause does not provide legal advice. You'll want to contact your own personal legal advisor for all of your legal needs. Also, the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of a just cause or AJC Radio. And as always, we want to thank you for tuning in and choosing to spend a little bit of your evening with us. And thank you for that, Lisa. And uh, again, we welcome all the audience, uh, our listeners across the United States and across the water, our friends in Australia, the U.K. Welcome in to Spotlight on Capitol Hill. It's good to have you. Tell your friends, your families, if you're hanging out tonight, if the weather's anything like it is here in Colorado, uh, it's time for a little barbecue and some lemonade, to be honest with you. We're one month away officially from spring and, folks, we're excited about that here at AJC Radio. So we're going to get back here. Uh, some current news before we get into Congressman Butterfield, what he's doing up there on the Hill. Uh, Cliff, you and I were talking as well uh, prior to the beginning of this show, dealing with uh, – uh, and let me first say before we get into that, our condolences go out to the Scalia family, Supreme Court Justice uh, Scalia, his family, uh, his children, his grandchildren. Uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you tonight as we have lost a, uh, a very uh, influential justice uh, on the same Supreme Court, Cliff sat there 30 years and uh, has done some things. Uh, whether you agree with him, they said it here this week, whether you agree or disagree, with, you're not going to agree probably with all of his policies, uh, but he was well-respected in those ranks uh, for the things that he had actually uh, accomplished and what he was striving to do, Cliff, uh, on the Supreme Court. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, some of his views are, uh, if nothing else, he was a controversial justice. 
but he held to his uh you know to what he believed and he's he's termed by some a uh constitutionalist sure. meaning that uh everything he stood for was strict and directly to the constitution uh some people say that some of his interpretations were wrong others uh support him in everything that he did but as you say, our condolences go out to his family. And, uh, you know, the other side of the issue is this thing with uh, Congress trying to replace Justice Scalia. And uh, just the whole, I mean, this is you talking about hanging out the dirty laundry of the political spectrum here in America. Sure. Other countries have got to be looking at us like, what is wrong with the American people? When you, you have more conversation about the controversy of, is President Obama uh, qualified or yeah. required or allowed to replace him than you do about the man's character and what he accomplished. What he accomplished. You turn on CNN, it's about the controversy. But well, And hey, we're going to deal with it a little bit here tonight. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, and this is a appointments clause out of the Constitution. Folks, if you were absent uh, from law school the day they gave you a copy of the Constitution of the United States, let us refresh your memory. The appointment clause states this. The president shall nominate. I'm going to stop there, Cliff. Not the president has an opportunity to. Yeah. Not that the president can. The president shall nominate, and by with the advice and consent of the Senate, shall appoint ambassadors, other public ministers and councils, consuls, excuse me, and judges of the Supreme Court. Let me say that again. Judges of the Supreme Court. And if, if President Obama made this point very clear, I thought... My time out of the White House was January 20th, 2017, uh, which is almost a year from now. Uh, folks, Cliff, chime in on this one. This says that the president shall nominate well, judges of the Supreme Court, other officers of the United States, whose appointments are not herein otherwise provided for, and which shall be, which shall be established by law. I mean, you got the one word there, shall. That's he not, shall. you're allowed, you have the opportunity, uh, you may... Uh, you can if other people allow you to. If this is the Constitution that's saying that the president shall, he, it is his, his job. It is his job, his duty. If he doesn't do it, then he is going against the Constitution. He is going against the Constitution is the Clear. law book that says this is what the president does in his commission. So he has to, at nothing else, nominate and then um, with the advice and the consent of the Senate, sure. That is their job to say, we accept who you nominate, because it has to be equal, it has to be balanced yeah. uh, as far as the whole process goes. You have the executive branch and you have the uh, the legislative branch. They will work together to appoint another justice. But you, hearing everybody say, well, he's not allowed, we think that it should be, uh, you know, the people should have something to say. The people had something to say when they, when they voted, when they elected him. <laughs> the people have uh, spoken. It's, it's, what else do they need to say? We elected the president. This is his job. That's like saying the people well, should have a say on who gets to stay in the well, White House. Well, here's the difference, folks. If Maybe, again, I learned this in probably eighth grade in American history. I believe the Constitution starts with we the people. Uh, if you're stating the fact that the, let the people speak, we the people of the United States of America. That's That's on the beginning of the Constitution of the United States. So to the commentators to the political analysts, if you will, that make this argument that people should speak. Well, the Constitution has already spoken, and we're the people on the head of that. So uh, I think the bottom line here, we're going to get into this a little bit uh, down the road here. We're going to be dealing with the disrespect that the Constitution 
has obtained at this point in America. Nobody respects the Constitution when it comes to self and political gain. President Obama made it clear this is bigger than any political party. This is about the Constitution of the United States. And I can tell you right now, Supreme uh, Court Justice uh, Scalia uh, would not be happy uh, with this situation uh, as far as this argument and this nonsense that is going on in this country. And I'll tell you right now, folks, President Obama, they want to attack everything. Before the man, uh, Supreme Court Justice Scalia, was officially all over the world in the papers that he had passed, they had already made a decision. We will not nominate. (laughs) We will not nominate. What if if President Obama would have brought in the, you know, conservative, quote, quote, perfect conservative justice. Say, this is who I'm nominating. Before he had, before Justice Scalia was laid to rest, they had already said, we, whoever he appoints, whoever, we will not approve it. How do you even make that? I mean, it, it would have been better. I mean, yeah, we know they oppose the, the Republicans, and that that's Look. all well and good, but. To make the statement before he's even given, before he can even say, "Here are the five people that I'm considering. Uh, be ready for one of them." No, whoever he he puts in, we're not going to do. We're not going to do it. It's well, just not going to happen. Well, I'll tell you what, folks. The problem is, you can take it how you want to take it. We hold nothing back uh, here on AJC Radio. The problem, the bottom line is, they are tired of this black man in the White House uh, doing executive uh, decisions, making executive orders. It is what it is. President Obama, to say, well, this, you know, I believe it was uh, candidate Marco Rubio made the statement that President Obama is the worst president in 35 years of this country. Is he even 35? (laughs) Is the question. Unbelievable. And, And I think it gets irritating when you hear people saying things like that. President Obama, if you want to have your political position, have your political position that do that. But at the end of the day, you're telling me not one thing President Obama's done in eight years where he was voted as commander-in-chief twice, overwhelmingly. You're telling me the American people got it wrong? No, hey, I'm telling you, it's, it's ridiculous. If you look at it, like you were saying when you were talking about the Constitution, you said we the people. It's got so far away. Now it's about we the party. You know, it's so separated. It's so... No. And no matter whether you did good, whether you did right, it don't matter. If you're not Republican, if you're yep. not on my side, if you're not a, a member of my party, you're wrong. Well, I'll tell you what, folks. We're going to visit this more. Uh, first off, the, you know, it's kind of like the appetizer's on its way. You ever go to a restaurant, you have, you have to get your appetizers, your salad, uh, the meal comes out, and then you got the blessed dessert. Uh, but I'll tell you right now. The appetizer's on the way. We're coming right back at you with Congressman G.K. Butterfield making a difference and speaking out about the nonsense on Capitol Hill. One-on-one interview with me and Lisa and Cliff in Washington, D.C. That's coming right back. Hang on to your seat, folks. Grab a cup of coffee. We're getting ready to take off. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States? 
I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population, but we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm going to give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. Take a few moments to call 1-855-529-4252. That is a just cause. And we fight for justice. Again, call a just cause today. Don't delay. Call 1-855-529-4252. It is time, and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously. Won't you join us? Call today. When does it stop being partly cloudy and start being partly sunny? Why is the word abbreviation so long? Are English muffins just muffins in England? Why is it called a washing line and not a drying line? Do fish get thirsty? If ghosts can walk through doors, why don't they fall through floors? Do you yawn when you sleep? If prunes are dried plums, how do they make prune juice? Why do doctors leave the room when you change? They're going to see you naked anyway. Do bald chefs wear hairnets? How much deeper would the ocean be if all the sponges were taken out? Do you believe someone who says they're a chronic liar? Why is sandwich bread square and sandwich meat round? Life's full of hard questions. Ask one more. You might just save a life. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen of America. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and Dennis Merritt. If you're wondering where you ended up uh, tonight on uh, Blog Talk Radio, this is AJC Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill. Not a mistake. Stay with us tonight, folks, as we get ready to honor a man on Capitol Hill by the name of Congressman J.K. Butterfield. He is the current chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. And uh, I'll tell you right now... uh, Good things are actually going on. Cliff? Yeah. No, Lamont, you said JK. You just want to let you know. GK. <laughs> Apologies uh, to the fat, to, to uh, the congressman. We apologize for that. Uh, but I'll tell you, folks, uh, GK Butterfield is doing some great things in Washington. Uh, we had an opportunity, uh, Lisa, as you alluded to earlier, Cliff, 
uh, to sit down with him in Washington, D.C. a few weeks ago. And what a remarkable man that is, is definitely led by vision and passion uh, for what he sees down the road for the United States, Lisa. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think what he's, I think his, uh, his approach and his, 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 his efforts that he's making right now are going to be very good for the country no, as we go. No, I, I, I definitely agree with you. Cliff, your thoughts on the interview? You were there with us. Uh, the thoughts of the man? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Congressman Butterfield is, is one of those people. I mean, he does not hold his tongue, his tongue uh, as you will hear. Uh, he says it like it is. Yeah. And, and, and from my personal opinion, that is what it takes to be effective uh, in Congress, because if you beat around the bush or if you make statements that are only appeasing to this person or that person, then you get nothing accomplished. Uh, Congressman Butterfield, he says it like he like it is. He lays the issues on the table and says, now let's deal with it. And then honestly, the, uh, ladies and gentlemen of America, that is what it takes to bring about change in America. Uh, we say all the time on this program that it is important that uh, America knows what the members of Congress are doing. And we have found, uh, Lisa Cliff, Dennis, over the period of time, the hard work. And we are about one thing. Everybody's talking about what Congress is not doing. AJC Radio specializes in talking about what is happening, what work is being done. We've seen it firsthand. Uh, our, I mean, firsthand we've seen the work the staff. I mean, it is a constant grind there on Capitol Hill, and I think America needs to be aware of that. And I'll tell you tonight, as we get into the life and the legacy, if you will, of Congressman G.K. Butterfield, you're going to learn some things about not only the congressman, but the man uh, that's making a difference and is passionate about that. Folks, let's just stop the presses. Let's get ready to run the interview that took place there a few weeks ago uh, on Capitol Hill, and I'm telling you, it was a delight. Pull up a chair, folks, as we visit... Will he come live from the offices of Congressman G.K. Butterfield? Ladies and gentlemen of America, we are coming live from Washington, D.C., in the office of Congressman Butterfield, uh, a man doing some big things here in Congress, and uh, we're going to have an opportunity to speak with him. Congressman uh, Butterfield, we appreciate you taking time with us today. And uh, we are featuring, this is Spotlight on Capitol Hill. Uh, as you know, we uh, highlight the positive things that are happening in Washington, and make no doubt, make no mistake about it, uh, Congressman Butterfield has plenty of positive things that we can focus on for this segment of Spotlight on Capitol Hill. And Congressman Butterfield, thank you for taking time with us today. Uh, we appreciate that. Well, thank you, and thank you for making time for me. Yes, we yeah. appreciate you so yeah. much. And uh, Congressman Butterfield, we actually had featured a honor. It, I'm going to say an honorable uh, presentation of your your legacy here, the things you have done, the uh, the connection to the people, uh, not only in, in in your district but with the American people. We were blown away by some of the things that we saw down to making sure that SNAP, uh, the food stamp services, were not taken from families. Our position at Spotlight is one thing, is that everybody does a lot of talking uh, in, regards to, uh, in regards to what's not happening on Capitol Hill and what our Congress uh, people are, are doing or not really not doing. Our objective is to say, look, we believe America is misinformed. 
they're not aware of the hard work and the things that are happening here uh, in our nation's capital. And we have seen a huge overwhelming response from the American people in regards to what they are learning about our elected officials. And uh, that which brings us here. Uh, first question, we do. We are aware that you are chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. A lot of challenges facing America right now. Uh, what role will the Congressional Black Caucus play into resolving and resolving some of the issues that Americans are concerned about? Well, first of all, thank you for letting me come on your program and just say a few words to your listeners and thank you for what you do in your community and and, and for reaching out to thousands of not just African Americans but sure. thousands of people who care about the political process. Yeah. Uh, I first of all represent the first district of North Carolina, seven hundred thousand people in the eastern part of my state. Uh, been in Congress now for 12 years, serving the Energy and Commerce Committee and Chief Deputy Whip of the House Democratic Caucus. But my highest honor is to now serve as the chairman of the 46-member Congressional Black Caucus. Yes. Uh, the CBC, as we call it, was founded in 1971 with 13 members, and we've evolved over the years into a caucus of 46. Collectively, we represent more than 30 million people. Uh, from 22 states in the District of Columbia and the Virgin Islands. And so we are a well-organized caucus, and we've been around now for some years, and many of our members are very seasoned members and have been here for a long time. Uh, we continue to replenish the caucus, so each year we pick up two or three newer members, and uh, one or two of uh, the older members perhaps may retire, but we continue to replenish and get fresh ideas. Uh, but serving as the chairman of the caucus is a two-year responsibility. Uh, technically, it could be uh, a second term, but no chairman has ever dared uh, to run for a second term. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, the two years uh, is is a is a very uh, uh, a very good experience, and it it uh, it takes its toll after a while. But uh, this is very hard work. Uh, the Congressional Black Caucus uh, is is laser focused on many issues confronting the African American community. Uh, criminal justice reform. You know, is at the top of the list. Uh, protecting the Voting Rights Act is at the top of the list. Targeting low-income communities uh, is right at the top. Uh, we have so many issues that that we confront as African Americans that uh, our work is is full-time. In fact, we don't have the the manpower, woman power, resources in, in order to tackle all of the problems that we face. And so we we, we try to 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 target issues. Flint, Michigan, for example, has now, now come on the table, and we've had to, to embrace the issues in Flint. And so uh, our responsibility, first of all, is to, uh, is to our district sure. and to make sure that people back home understand and appreciate the work that we're doing. Uh, but we're more than local congressmen. Once we satisfy the home base, we've got to, to, to let black America know that we are here to fight the fight. Absolutely. And, and every year we, we learn uh, better ways of fighting that fight. If I had to, uh, to, to to start this conversation, I, I would start it by uh, making a, a statement uh, about the budget. Uh, money drives this place, and we, we we spend a lot of money in this country. Uh, we spend nearly four trillion dollars. It's uh, about three point eight, three point nine trillion dollars that we spend every year. The problem is we're not taking in three point eight trillion dollars. Sure. And anytime you run short of money. You create a deficit. Absolutely. And and President uh, Obama has had this experience, as did George W. Bush and all of the presidents before him. And so, whenever you you realize a deficit, you cannot just close your eyes and ignore 
the deficit. In order to balance your books, you've got to got to borrow money. And so this country has borrowed so much money uh, over the last 30 years. Democratic and Republican presidents alike uh, have had to borrow money in order to pay the bills. Uh, but now the national debt is $18 trillion, approaching $19 trillion. Uh, and, and we have a, a crisis. Uh, not as bad as Republicans make it seem, but, but it is a problem uh, to have a debt that large. Uh, the good thing about President Obama is that uh, he has reduced the deficit which is the amount that you're lacking in the current year, from $1.5 trillion down to $450 billion. That's a, a, a two-thirds reduction in the deficit. And so anytime uh, the Obama critics say that he is driving up the deficit, they're absolutely incorrect. But the problem is, in order to, to balance the budget and to get the deficit under control, uh, there has to either be an increase in revenue or decrease in spending. Sure. And that's the, that's the dilemma that, that we have here in Washington. And no one is willing to publicly talk about uh, the fact that Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid are the drivers of the deficit. It's not food stamps. It's not public housing. It's not immigration. You know, the thing that, or health care, the, 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 uh, not Obamacare at least, the thing that's driving the deficit now is Social Security and Medicare. Uh, those two two items, uh, as important as they are, and I cannot imagine what we would be as a country without Social Security and Medicare. The fact of the matter is that it's driving the deficit, and and Republicans want to put the blame of, of a high deficit on social programs, right? Uh, the social safety net, and so they spend all of their waking energy and time uh, trying to find ways to discredit President Obama and ways of cutting the social safety net. And so that's the first fight that we are dealing with, sure. to make sure that the Republicans do not eliminate the social safety net that low-income Americans, black, white, and brown, that low-income Americans depend on. And, and that has consumed much of our energy because the Tea Party uh, has as its agenda the reduction of the social safety net. And our agenda is to protect the social safety net. Right. So we're at warfare. Well, I'll tell you, uh, Congressman Butterfield, to that to that point, it, it, you know, how do you take away something? And then, and let me let me word it this way: This is where we believe racial disparity happens in this country. That the poor, the uh, the struggling, or the, the low income areas of America seem to want to be snuffed out of support, uh, as far as the support factor, as you said, wanting to take those programs away. There's already a disconnect with low-income communities, as, as you talk about criminal justice reform, uh, in regards to uh, police and community relations and those things, and then you now begin to take away, uh, at least make an attempt to take away, the food stamps and the, the what, how do we, it's, un, it's really difficult to repair damage in relations when the low-income families or of, of the minorities and, and what you know are being, feeling like well dude, does anybody care about us uh, we, we had a uh, uh, conversation in regards that you know what no really people want to have a, a regular job they want to have uh, success in America and all those things but at the, the reality is those programs as you as you point out are there to give some type of support as people are trying to make it uh, how do we at least relate to the members of Congress and, and the other side of the aisle to say, look, 
we this is about a, a, a really a humanitarian spirit that we simply are not going to be cruel uh, to our citizens and try to take such social programs away. How do we change the 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 focus of, of Congress to, to be uh, human, if you will? Excellent question. Low-income communities all across America, both rural and urban, have always suffered economically. They suffered with high rates of unemployment. Uh, poor educational systems, uh, uh, deteriorating infrastructure. Low-income communities all across America have always had it difficult. And this has been at the hands of Democrats and Republicans. You know, And so yeah. we, we are now trying to change the narrative and change the conversation uh, to let America know and to let the power brokers and, and the policymakers know uh, that low-income communities really matter. Uh, politicians are very good at talking about the middle class. And I talk about the middle class in many of my speeches, but never do I talk about the middle class at the expense of talking about low-income, persistent poverty communities. Let me tell you, we have more than 400 counties in the United States that have poverty rates greater than 30%, greater than 20% that has lasted now for more than 30 years. These are called persistent poverty counties. It's a definition given by the by the Census Bureau. It's not something that we made up. Sure. The Census Bureau has identified 400 counties as persistent poverty counties, which means that uh, these conditions have been around for a long time. And and I can trace it all the way back to slavery. Sure. You know, I can talk about 1865 when slavery came to an end. Black folk had nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had nothing but the clothes on their back. They had faith in family and community and faith in God. Uh, and they had a faith that the government would... Uh, would extend a hand of friendship. Uh, but from that day to this day, uh, there has been nothing but neglect of low-income, particularly African-American communities. And so we as the Black Caucus continue to put a laser, uh, we, we continue to focus light on the problem, but we've got to do more than focus light. So, you know, that's where you start. Right? You've got to put a light on the problem. You've got to embarrass those who, uh, who, who make decisions. And do you know of these 400 counties that are persistent poverty counties, 80% of those are, are represented by Republicans, wow. including the chairman of the House Appropriations Committee. And yesterday, uh, we met with uh, the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, and uh, we explained to him that we want a creative approach to targeting federal dollars into low-income communities, uh, both Democrat and Republican, to try to invest in infrastructure and job creation until we get African Americans working, not just working at minimum wage, but working at a decent livable wage, we are not going to grow our communities. And so that's why programs like this are important because we get an opportunity to speak to people who really matter, those who can make a difference. And and, and what is the answer? Well, there's no simple answer, but part of the answer has got to be we must have 100% participation in every election. You know, I agree with that. And, and Carlos Butterfield, is, is, this opens the door to, a, to the next point we'd like to make in regards to criminal justice reform. We talk about what, you know, there's a, a school-to-prison pipeline of, of, you know, a lot of African Americans. The prison system is out of control. Uh, mass incarceration is on the rise in this country. Uh, these are issues, uh, sentencing reform, all the stuff that, that Congress, what we have found in talking to members uh, this week, concerned at least to come together in a bipartisan way 
to address a major problem. We talk about the Michael Browns, the Walter Scotts, the Eric Gardners, the, the police relations with communities, uh, people questioning what are, what, are, what are people protesting for. Uh, and Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King, we did a, sh- a special show on him on his birthday in regards to what he said, injustice anywhere affects justice, uh, something along those lines, everywhere, threatened justice everywhere. Threat yes. justice everywhere. Yes. Yeah. As we yeah. deal with criminal justice reform, the prison system, the mass incarceration of African Americans, this is a, a point I made yesterday, that racial disparities, which is coming up in criminal justice reform, we believe now has entered the courtrooms and now come from behind the bench. Of, of exercising racial disparities with the sentencing and outrageous things along those lines. What role will the Congressional Black Caucus play in such an important fact as we try to find answers to fix our present situation in this country? Well, I know a little bit more than the average member of Congress about criminal justice because I spent 30 years in a courtroom, 15 of those years as a judge. Okay. And so I, I uh, sentenced literally thousands of offenders over my 15 years as a judge, probably tens of thousands. Uh, I, I, I was the resident superior court judge. I presided in more than 40 counties in my state, and uh, and I've seen it from the front row. You know, this, I was not just an observer. I've been a participant in the criminal justice system, and I start by making the statement that the criminal justice system is broken, whether it's in Pennsylvania, Florida, California, whether it's federal or whether it's the state. A penal institution, uh, a criminal justice uh, institution, they're all broken, and it has to be fixed. Congress can only fix the federal system, and only 10% of the offenders, uh, the, the, the inmates in this country, are in federal penitentiaries. The other 90% are in state penitentiaries, and that's the point that so many people miss. Yes. The federal government cannot tell the states how to run their criminal justice system. But we can suggest to the states and we can use the influence of the federal government to try to force states to to change their laws. Uh, But we're not having much success at the federal level in telling states what to do. Medicaid expansion is an example. We've tried every tool in our toolbox uh, to try to persuade states to expand the Medicaid program to include more poor people. And they have thumbed their nose at the federal government. And so I suppose that same thing would happen with criminal justice reform. Uh, but we do have the power of the purse, and if we can find some way of withholding money uh, from states on on, on, on criminal justice, uh, perhaps uh, some of the states would be willing to listen. But at the federal level, we have all power uh, to, to supervise the criminal justice system. 25%, here's the statistic, 25% of the people who are locked up in the world live in the United States of America, but we are only 5% of the world's population. But we have 25% of those who are incarcerated in our country. That's a 5 to 1 ratio. And so something is wrong. When we talk about criminal justice reform, we talk about the front end, we talk about the back end. Uh, Front end, we've got to find diversionary programs uh, to keep uh, people from going to prison. Uh, You do that by building good schools, you build that by by, by creating jobs that pay a good wage, uh, and, and you've got in, you have to invest in human capital, and, and that's the front end. Sure. And then when 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 offenders uh, get in trouble, and it's time to be sentenced, uh, the judge doesn't always have to resort to prison. 
that there should be some alternative forms of prison. What in my state we call it community community punishment. Mm-hmm. And so prison should not be the first sentence. It should be the last resort. Some cases, of course, they must go to you know rape, burglary, murder, you know, though, you know, uh, trafficking in cocaine. But simple possession of marijuana, uh, simple possession of cocaine, even felony possession of cocaine, you know, d- deserves, especially a first offender, you know, deserves a, a second chance. Um, once they go to prison and serve the sentence and get out, that's the back end. That's where we also have problems. And and, and I'm I'm constantly talk about expungement, and I saw it firsthand. A young offender gets locked up. 16 years old, dropped out of school in the ninth grade, gets locked up, gets charged with one or two crimes. The police get over-aggressive and find another eight or ten crimes to charge the young man, young woman with. Uh, you know, they, they, they may have taken two seconds too long to pull the car over when they were being stopped. Mm-hmm. And, and the police not only charge the young offender with the drug possession or whatever it is, but they make up other charges, eluding arrest, sure. resisting yes. arrest, and, and all of this stuff goes on, uh, on on the docket. And after the young person stays in jail for a year, waiting for his or her day in court, uh, the court-appointed lawyer you know, comes to the offender and says, look, we have a plea bargain for you. you if go. you plead to two charges, we'll dismiss the other eight. The young person takes the plea bargain, gets out of jail that afternoon, goes home, Mama, grandmama may take them in. They may not take them in, but let's assume they take them in. Uh, then the young person goes out and looks for a job. And when they run a background check, they see all of these charges on the record. That's right. And it's hard for the young person to explain that some were dismissed, and he only pleaded guilty to two. Pleaded guilty to two, and he was 17 years old at the time. And now he might be 23. Right. And 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 most employers are not willing to take a chance somebody who was charged with multiple offenses, even though they were dismissed or found not guilty. They're not willing to to take a chance. And so that's why we're talking about banning the box. Right. In other words, when you go and apply for a job, you don't have that question on on the application. You ban that question. Now, employers do have a right to know something. Right. But at least let's get the applicant to the final stages of the job interview. Sure. And then take the ban off the box and let the employer know that this person has been in trouble before. Sure. And then at least you get to the final stage of the interview, and, and hopefully uh, good minds will, will uh, see fit to give the person a job. And so criminal justice reform is front and center. We're trying to fix it legislatively. I'm part of a group of 12. Uh, we don't get a lot of publicity because we don't want a lot of publicity, but we have a group of 12. We've met with President Obama on three occasions. Vice President Biden, it's a House, it's a bicameral uh, group of people, House and Senate, Democrats and Republicans. And we've cobbled together a piece of legislation that we are hoping that we can have at least out of the Senate by March 31st. I've been very happy about that. Uh, yesterday I got word from the Senate uh, that it may not happen because of presidential politics. And, and I'm hoping that they're wrong. I'm going to find out more more today. Uh, but anytime you're in a presidential election year, in yeah. uh, a congressional election year, a lot of congressmen don't want to go back home and face the criticism that they are going to be soft on crime. Because many offenders who are in jail, in prison, are there under mandatory sentences. Right. What we want to do is just take the handcuffs off the judge 
I was a judge, take the handcuffs off the judge and give the judge discretion right. within a range of punishment. So, you know, right now certain crimes are mandatory, 20-year mandatory sentence. But the judge might have discretion anywhere from 5 to 20. Right. And the judge may choose to give 5 instead of 20 and thereby reduce mass incarceration. Sure. And so it's a work in progress. No, absolutely, yeah. Congressman Butterfield. I'll tell you, uh, th- those are important issues, and it says to the American people, to us, this is what elected officials were sent to Washington to do, uh, to address these issues, and, and we admire what you're doing with that. Uh, next question, and we're going to be respectful of your time, of course. Uh, we are facing an election year, uh, as you just alluded to. Change of power, transition of power. Uh, we have a new president uh, going into office after a, a, a two-term president. People are used to President Obama. We're used to seeing him behind the podium. The American people are at a point of vulnerability, of, of really some fears. Where are we going? Uh, America stands at the crossroad of decision now. Uh, 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 seats coming up in the Senate and the House. What? are your thoughts as we go into this new uh, journey, if you will, as we approach this new journey approaching, to assure the American people that we are headed uh, optimistically down a road uh, of good things and as far as getting the American people involved with what lies ahead for the country. What are your thoughts on that? We are at a crossroads. Yes. And I don't want to send a signal to any American that everything is fine here in right. Washington. And that regardless of the outcome of the election, everything will be fine. Because that is absolutely incorrect. Yes. It really matters who sits in the White House. Look, look, I mean, some people say it doesn't matter who's the president, Democrat or Republican. You could be just as wrong as you can be. Uh, or conservative or, or progressive. You know, it matters. In order to... to, to the, the, the job of the U.S. Congress is to provide for the general welfare, to provide for the common defense of the country. And it is the Congress of the United States that makes these monumental decisions every day about how to accomplish our, our uh, job description. Uh, we've got to set the tax rate. We collect the taxes. Three trillion dollars we collect every year in revenue. We've got a trillion dollars now. I mean, that's beyond my comprehension and, and most other people. Three trillion dollars that we take in in revenue. And it is this Congress that decides how to spend the money. We know that most of it is going to go to Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Those are entitlement programs. We know that. But then there's discretionary spending, where every year Congress has to decide how to appropriate discretionary spending. And so it matters who sits in Congress. And right now the Tea Party is here and, and, and wielding a lot of muscle in the political process. We let that happen. We, we contributed to it, at least, because we went to sleep in 2010 did not vote in large numbers as we had in 2008. We lost the House. Came back two years later, we lost control of the Senate. And so Congress is being run by right-wing conservatives who don't care about low-income communities. They say it belongs to the states. It belongs uh, to, to local communities to solve the problem. That is not a problem of the federal government. And so we, we, we are facing the Tea Party onslaught here in Congress. But the good news is that we've had a progressive president right. who has stood up to the Tea Party mm-hmm. and they can do all of the create all of the noise that they want to create 
at the end of the day, the president's got to sign the bill right. in order for it to become law. And President Obama has been the backstop right. to, 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 to bad legislation. But in 2016, if we lose control of the White House uh, and someone occupies the Oval Office who, who thinks like the Tea Party thinks here in Congress, and all three, the House, the Senate, and the President are all on the same page, uh, we're going to see some legislation that's going to set us back for a generation. And so just because we are the, quote, United States of America, and just because we have, we're the most powerful country on the planet, just because our economy is the largest economy on the planet, doesn't mean that it has to remain. Right. If the wrong people get in office, our country can, 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 can reduce in size, of the economy and bad things can happen to people that we care about. And so I want to encourage everyone to vote. Uh, this is not a political program, so I'm not going to tell people how to vote, uh, but doggone it, vote. Uh, I mean, we, we, we fought for the right to vote, and, and we and lives were given uh, for the right to vote, and now uh, we, we have that right, and we need to use the right. Uh, if, if we don't vote in large numbers in this election, uh, then we're going to lose. Uh, people of goodwill, people who care about humanity uh, will lose this election and we will be set back for generations to come. So I'm asking everyone listening to this program uh, to pay attention to what's happening in Washington and in your state capital. Uh, you're Pennsylvania, right? Colorado. Colorado. Okay, what's your state capital? Uh, Denver. Denver. Yeah, pay, pay attention to what's happening in Denver and, and Washington. Uh, pay close attention because it really, really matters. And you've got to get out and participate in this election like you have never done before. And we appreciate that, Congressman Butterfield. And and we encourage America listening tonight uh, to get out and vote. It is critical this time uh, that as America stands at the crossroads of decisions, uh, it affects your home. It affects your family. It affects your employment. It affects everything. And uh, uh, to echo the words of Congressman Butterfield, it is critical. Uh, And if we sit back, there's a lot of things going on in this country. We are trying to heal as a nation. Uh, To uh, echo Congressman Butterfield's words, it is critical because these decisions definitely shape America. And Congressman Butterfield, we thank you for taking time with us today. Thank you. Uh, And uh, we appreciate you uh, and all that you're doing here. And and we we are honored to to, uh, spotlight you here on Capitol Hill. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Okay. And there you have it, folks. Um, Lisa, uh, Congressman Butterfield talking some pretty uh, important things. Uh, And you can understand when he's talking, he's meaning exactly what he's talking about. Yes, and I I appreciate the fact that he's very straightforward. He's direct. He says what he feels. He's not beating around the bush. He just gets right to the point and just says exactly what he's thinking, what he's feeling. I think it's very important what he was saying about making sure that we vote and how that we contributed to the, 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 the House being lost and the Senate being lost to the Republican Party as a result of people not voting. No, absolutely. And Congressman Butterfield's roots in Wilson, North Carolina, taught him the values of hard work, responsibility. His father, Dr. G.K. Butterfield Sr., was a respected dentist and elected official. And Dr. Butterfield graduated from the Mary Dental College and practiced dentistry for 50 years in the poor, segregated community of East Wilson. Many of his patients had never received dental services because they were unable to afford the care. However, Dr. Butterfield did not turn anyone away because they were unable to pay. 
To him, access to care was a right for everyone and not a privilege for the few. Congressman Butterfield's mother, Addie, was passionate about education. She taught elementary school for 48 years. In of the poorest communities in North Carolina, uh, Mrs. Butterfield was keenly focused on making sure her students learned to read and write. And that right was denied to many blacks in the South. Congressman Butterfield's parents led by example and installed in him the importance of serving your community and working to give people the opportunity to succeed. And I'll tell you, after graduating from Charles H. Darden High School in Wilson, Congressman Butterfield earned a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science and Sociology from North Carolina. And coming from the beautiful place of North Carolina, where the beauty of nature is self-evident, Congressman Butterfield was impacted, made a difference, and he continues to make a difference. Hang, hang in there with us, folks. We're coming right back for our continued coverage and shining the light on Spotlight on Capitol Hill with Congressman G.K. Butterfield, leaving imprints on our nation's capital and around the world. We'll be right back. sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855-529- 4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. I'm an actor, and that qualifies me to talk to you about social issues. And even though my opinion is controversial, I believe that racism is wrong. Now today, what I would like you to do is take a look at your skin color and hug somebody that has a different color skin. We can stop racism together, one hug at a time. Definitely ask permission before you hug somebody. Thank you. concerned about 
is uh, the potential that we have for putting an innocent person into jail if we do not do our job properly. properly. And the need for us to know that we don't do our job properly, properly and that justice is being done. Being done. Mr. McGovern, for yielding time. Uh, you know, Mr. Speaker, the gentleman from Georgia who just spoke, Mr. Collins, has finally acknowledged what so many other Republicans refuse to acknowledge. They have made a political choice. They've made a political choice to defund the SNAP program, and I'm glad that he publicly acknowledged that. I rise, Mr. Speaker, to oppose H.R. 3102. The Republicans are determined to defund this program, a program that provides food assistance to low-income families and to more than 20% of my congressional district. The Agriculture Committee reported a bill that cut $16 billion from nutrition. The Speaker wouldn't schedule a vote. Why? Because the Tea Party said not enough cuts. The Republicans then increased nutrition cuts to $20.5 billion, and the Speaker crossed his finger and hoped for passage. It went down on this floor in defeat. Not a single Democrat voted for it. Many Republicans said the cuts were not enough. Now here we are again today. The Republicans, driven by the Irrational Tea Party, bring us another nutrition title that now cuts $40 billion from nutrition. My friends, I know that cutting the deficit is important to all of us, but do not, do not, do not reduce the deficit by depriving more than 3 million good Americans of the opportunity to eat. That's not who we are as a nation. And there you have it. Um, wow. What do you say to that? Do you? I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen of America, welcome back to Spotlight on Capitol Hill. I'm Lamont Banks along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and Dennis Merritt. Dennis, when you hear that, taking food out of the mouth of Americans, do you hear and feel the passion that Congressman Butterfield is making an argument? He said, do not, do not. Do this. What are we what are we coming to as a nation with that even consideration to take the food from the hunger is even a consideration on Capitol Hill. It's Your thoughts on that, Dennis? It, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, uh that pa- that was true passion right there. Yes. Uh I, as I was growing up, you know, I, I come from uh, you know, poverty and I know about standing. And had had that not been available for us, I, I don't know how we would have made it. But it's just so how how we make a decision on a tea party, on a party, we're not making decisions about people. Mm-hmm. You got people that are in need, people that are trying their hardest to make ends meet, and then we we have a program in place to assist them to do that, and you want to take that away. Uh, I, I think that's wrong, but I tell you, I truly would like to commend the congressman because I tell you, with that type of passion and with that type of push, if we can get if we can get more congressmen like that, I'm telling you, the Cliff. poor is going to get some recognition. Cliff, when you when you hear the congressman and ladies and gentlemen, this is not an act. It's not a production. It's not a movie or a series. Congressman Butterfield says his district is one of the most 
is one of the poorest in the United States of America. And Cliff, when you think about what Congressman Butterfield is talking about, his family coming, as we shared with you prior to, to, uh, to the break, I mean, the doctor giving care to the poor when they couldn't even pay. He never turned one person away. I'll tell you right now, Congressman Butterfield saw something, and it had an impact on his life. These are the people, I say it once, I'll say it again, that we need on Capitol Hill that can understand the plight of the American people. Cliff, your thoughts on that? Yeah, because what you look at is that is the fact he realized as uh, a child, a very young man, seeing that um, – there weren't that many people who were willing to stand up or help the poor. I mean, he, he watched it in his father, but he comes to Congress and you hear it in the passion in his voice saying, do not cut the help, the help for over three million people, because he realized there's nobody out there fighting for the, 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 the uh, so-called little man cannot fight for himself. So that's why he needs someone on Capitol Hill to make the argument to say, you don't cut. This is the only way these people have to eat some of them you cannot cut that and this is not about um you know the person who is just getting assistance for you know they don't want to get a job you're talking about we're talking about veterans we're talking about we're talking about people who are serving in the military right now that they're a husband or a wife a mother or father may be over in the middle east fighting putting their life on the line for our country and they want to cut the SNAP program where, I mean, this is a system. Nobody in the military gets rich when you're out on the front line fighting. That's true. But the help for their families uh, does not need to be cut. And Congressman Butterfield stands up for them and says, look, not only for my district, but for everybody who's, who's uh, getting SNAP assistance, we need to keep this program in place. Sure, the budget needs to be cut, but not at the expense of letting people go home. And, and, and that's the bottom line. This is not America. Or is it? Or is it? This is the purpose. These are the reasons that our elected officials go, I'd like to say, on the battlefield every day in our nation's capital, fighting for the food. We're fighting for food, for children, for students. We are trying to address poverty. Some of the actions uh, that, that Congressman Butterfield has taken since he's been in Congress. Congressional Democrats urged McCroy to veto a bill that would disrupt employment benefits for thousands of North Carolinians. He's talking about addressing issues in his district. Butterfield joins North Carolina Congressional Delegation to host Taking Care of Business Summit. Congressman Butterfield introduced Highway Bill for Eastern North Carolina with support of the North Carolina delegation, members, and Governor McCroy. Congressman Butterfield urges full funding of federal contract tower program to increase air safety. Congressman Butterfield introduces transportation bill, the Road Act, to designate two highways of future interstate from Raleigh to Norfolk, Virginia. Congressman Butterfield to announce one million in funding for disadvantaged farmers. Congressman Butterfield released bipartisan food labeling reform, creating federal standards for food labeling in order to keep American produced food safe, nutritious, and affordable. And Congressional Butterfield and the Congressional Black Caucus to protest passage of farm bill without SNAP funding. This is a man that is taking action. That is the proper thing to do. And I'm telling you, this is about, this is something that becomes contagious in Washington. You cannot take the stand that Congressman Butterfield is taking and it not have an influence on your colleagues. Because this is America. And we're supposed to be all family. Congressman Butterfield spoke even about poverty, the things involved with poverty and what goes on with that. We talk about this all the time. 
poverty addresses the criminal justice system in this country. Poverty-stricken neighborhoods where nothing is being done, where people are being ignored. These are things that have to be addressed. Congressman Butterfield spoke about poverty. Let's hear what he had to say. Uh, but, Mr. Horsford, I, I, I don't know much about your state of Nevada, but I, I can tell you a lot about my state of North Carolina. And I can tell you uh, these are some tough times. Uh, these are tough times for poor people. Uh, these are tough times for rural communities all across America. Uh, I represent one of the poorest districts in, in the whole country. Uh, one in four people in my district, uh, Mr. Speaker, uh, including uh, 36% of children, uh, live at or below the poverty level. That's a statistic that is worth bearing. I want to repeat it. 36% of the children who live in my congressional district live below the poverty level, and that is unacceptable. The poverty problem in America is actually getting worse. At a time when it should be getting better, it is actually getting worse. Uh, there's a huge difference. There's a huge gap between the haves and the have-nots. Uh, the poverty rate now is the highest that it has been in the last 20 years. And in rural North Carolina, median household incomes uh, have dropped uh, since uh, the year 2000. My district has vivid and unfortunate illustrations of poverty. For example, nearly one in 20 homes in some counties do not have a telephone or a kitchen. A lot of my friends in urban communities cannot relate to that. But nearly one in 20 homes in some counties do not have a telephone or a kitchen. Many of my constituents are still living without indoor plumbing in the year 2013. And uh, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen of America. Congressman Butterfield addressing uh, the issues in North Carolina. But this is something, Cliff, that is not only in North Carolina, Lisa, it is across the United States. It is a United States issue. Absolutely. Poverty is everywhere. Uh, and I like what I hear from Congressman Butterfield. He is not holding back. But how do you hold back on such critical issues that have to be addressed? You know what I mean? If America cannot believe their congress, congressman or congresswoman will fight for them, what is the purpose for democracy? And I think what troubles me, as I said earlier, is why is this even being discussed as a possibility? Do we not understand as a country, we become divided by poverty and wealth. If the poverty-stricken communities feel like nobody cares, where are we going? Then you have the breakdown in police relations in poverty-stricken communities. You know why? The trust of these Americans. Are at an all-time low. Dennis, what do we do then, and how important is it to you? As Congressman Butterfield addresses issues that a lot of people don't want to touch. They don't want to deal with it. We have to deal with it. That is the purpose of these elected officials on Capitol Hill. I agree with you 100%, Lamont. I mean, I'm telling you, I truly, uh, like I said, I commend the congressman. I mean, dealing with issues, uh, poverty, uh, criminal justice, uh, you know, you know, talking about how, you know, we're so divided. You know, it's all about, you know, this party or that party. And, and then we can't, don't get me, he even talked about the middle class. He said, don't get me wrong. 
I believe that, you know, we, 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 we got to take care of the middle class. But he said, in doing so, let's not forget the poor. Yeah. Don't get so caught up in, you know, the politics, you know, what what should we say? You know, middle class, middle class, middle class. They, 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 they donate the most. You know, you can't get caught up in that because when you start getting caught up in politics, you forget about the human life, the human factor right. uh, of, of this society. And, and right now, we're, we're divided. And, and, and united we stand, divided we fall. And, and I'm telling you, if you think about it, uh, we're, 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 we're ready for a fall. Unless we start coming together as a nation and throw the politics out the window, let's start being about people, that fall's coming. It's it's beyond the horizon, but it's it's coming. No, and I don't, no without question, uh, that is something that uh, uh, that we need to take a look at. I think education is important for these poverty-stricken neighborhoods and, and communities uh, to teach skills, to teach things that can help. Uh, and these are things as America has grown with technology, uh, we have to incorporate that technology in our communities. Exactly. Because that is a tool, I believe, Cliff, that enables people to get out of the rut. And this is what Congressman Butterfield is about. He, he speaks to these issues about growing America with technology. As we see things and dynamics change, Cliff, how important, as to you being into technology and those things, how important is it? that, And how good is it that Congressman Butterfield addresses those issues? Well, without technology, I mean, without the things... Uh, that are going on now. I mean, there's a there's a term in the industry called state of the art, or uh, you know, uh, and what it means is that you have the tools that you need that are right now. That this is this is what's going on right now with technology, with uh, with um, you know the STEM program, science, technology, engineering, math. If you don't have the tools that you need that are state of the art that are going on right now. Without that, you cannot, you can't compete in these different environments. And and looking at uh, Congressman Butterfield, I mean, he he's on the subcommittee not only for health, commerce, manufacturing, and trade, but on communications and technologies to help these these underprivileged communities. Say we need to all come up, bring some balance. Sure, you have you know upper middle class and the wealthy and all that. Every one of those homes, you know, got a computer, multiple computers. Uh, you know, some type sure. of tablet, smartphones, smartwatches, yes. uh, you know, everything. But for the underprivileged, they get they get left not only forgotten. you know for, forgotten about yeah. uh, proper nutrition, proper education, and then the state of the art technologies, science, edu- uh, engineering, and math. Um, you know, just the things that are going on in the community. Without that, there is no way to compete for better jobs to increase the level. Of of income to bring you out of poverty, and, and what does it speak to to the character of Congressman Butterfield? Yeah, it, I, I mean, mean, he said he says, look, we understand a, a a portion of what the problem is. I mean, just like he said about the budget, he says, hey, yeah. it's Medicare, Social Security; those are issues in the budget. So we understand, uh, you know, we don't we don't want to just get rid of those. But then on the other side, he said, I understand the things that are causing these levels of poverty like he said you know that in the in the with these mostly republican districts that poverty is over 50 percent that is ridiculous in the country that we call 
America. This is America. This is not a third world country. Absolutely. Lisa. And, and you know, Cliff, there are a lot of people right now who are uh, wanting to do things to limit the assistance that, that the that the underprivileged are getting, that the poor poor communities are getting. I think the reason Congressman Butterfield is against that is because if they don't have that assistance, then they're not able to move forward to to enhance their lives and make things right. better. I mean, if they don't have that assistance, they can't go to school. They can't get an education because they don't have mm. time to do that. They're too busy working five jobs to try to make ends meet and put food on the table and keep their kids clothed. They don't have time to go to school. So if they if you give them that assistance, give them that little head, that little hand as they go through, they're able to go and get the education that they need uh, for the most part, which he's another thing that he's promoting is making sure that people get quality, affordable education so that they're able to improve their lives and move out of that poverty, that poverty landmine, I guess you would oh, say. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's killing people. They've got to they've got to be able to move out of that. And if, if you don't give them a hand to pull out of that, they're going to stay there. Right, and, and Congressman Butterfield understands that that's what's needed. I mean, coming from that type of community, it's not that the underprivileged or the people in poverty, that they don't want to have a job, that they no. don't want to pay their bills, that they don't want something better for themselves or their children, just to reach out and give a slight helping hand to say, hey, the the American government is is built by like we spoke about the Constitution before, we the people. We are supposed to be one family, one community, one nation under God with liberty and justice for which it stands. But we all have to come together, be together, and you need people like Congressman Butterfield in Congress to say, look, it's about everybody. The small man has to have representation. Otherwise, he gets left behind. He gets ignored. Uh, and neglected, and all you have is a regeneration of the same cycle starting all over again. What well, uh, go ahead, Dennis. What I'm understanding right now is that if you really look at it, uh, Congress, uh, Congressman uh, uh, G.K. Butterfield understands that he is a public servant. Yes. And what is a servant? A servant is a person who performs duties for others, especially a person employed in a house or domestic duties as for other people we, He's a servant And our politicians I think what's happening today It's not about serving the people There you go It's about self-service wow. It's about their agenda It's not about the people anymore So these politicians have got away From understanding that service. They are a public servant And a and good point Dennis on that And, and Congressman G.K. Butterfield Goes against all of that He's exactly the opposite of that. Uh, when you take a moment to get down in the trenches with the poor, the hurting, the poverty-stricken, that means you understand what it means to be an American that is struggling. And that is exactly what Congressman Butterfield is about. I'm not going to talk the talk. I'm going to walk it. I'm going to show you how to get out of it. He was speaking about technology in government and make and growing America the importance that needs to happen in regards to that. Let's hear what the congressman had to say. Thank you very much for your participation. Uh, Mr. Hoyer, for the last five years, you have united us around a critical agenda focused on making it in America so that cities and towns across this country can not only build products, but build an economy that benefits us all. 
And I recall uh, so very clearly when you first conceived of this idea and you gave us all a baseball cap that said, make it in America. And I still have that cap and wear it from time to time. Uh, President Barack Obama has already signed 16 Make It in America bills into law, and we continue to develop advanced manufacturing technology that has served as the impetus for a manufacturing renaissance in the United States. Since joining the Energy and Commerce Committee, which uh, happens to be one of the best committees in Congress uh, since 2007, uh, I have been a strong advocate for growing the innovation economy. From immigration to cybersecurity, privacy to patent reform, Congress, the administration, and the private sector must all be equal partners in developing policies that keep pace with emerging technology, not stifle it. The 46 members of the Congressional Black Caucus, collectively representing more than 30 million Americans, are acutely aware of the unique challenges and the promising opportunities that come with creating jobs of the future. But America has yet to unlock the full potential of innovation because of the lack of African-American representation in the Internet economy. The gross underrepresentation of African-Americans on corporate boards, in the tech workforce, and contract, in contracting with these companies and adventure capital firms is alarming. While African-Americans make up just 6% of STEM-related workforce, they are prolific users of technology. A Pew Research Center report shows that African-Americans use the Internet. They use social media as often as their white counterparts, and in some case, cases, even more frequently. But African-Americans' embrace of technology and social media has not translated into technology jobs or seats on boards of directors. For example, African-Americans make up only 2% of the total workforce at social media giants Facebook and Twitter. While some progress has been made, much more needs to be done. And thank you uh, for that. Cliff, your thoughts. uh, This is an alarming number. Social media has basically taken over the country, the world, the World Wide Web. It's it's insane in a good way, and we'll we'll speak to that. 2% of the workforce, uh, as big as social media is, is African-American? 2%? 2%. That is uncomprehendable. I mean, there... That that leaves you completely speechless. You're telling me of the workforce. This is not oh, see the CEO. There's only he didn't say there's only two percent of uh, executives. You know, a director or above at Facebook, Twitter. No, the entire company, everybody from technical support up to the CEO, two percent. And then the the other statement that he made, which is just shocking and appalling, is that. The amount of minorities, uh, African-Americans in particular, on the boards of directors of social media companies. Now, they know young America. I mean, we're just going to be, you know, honest about it. Young America follows the African-American, you know, hip hop, whatever you want to call it, that culture. How is it that you don't have the people that you're leaning toward? You don't have them on your boards of directors. I'm I'm not talking about any time you see. Uh, a uh, you know, it's it's a CEO of his own company, a, a a black owned company, but the board of directors, they're 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 these type of stats are the things that tell you really how far has America come in Honestly. the last fifty years. If you really really look yep. at it, and you can say, oh well, we have more population and we have the race relations look better, but when you look at the socioeconomic impact 
of of uh, what is going on against African Americans, it it still is astonishing when you look from the 50s all the way up to 2016. Well, well, well I'll tell you what, folks. Uh, the Congressional Black Caucus uh, couldn't have a better chair than Congressman G.K. Butterfield. This is important. It is staggering, as Cliff alluded to, the stats, as large as social media has become. We need people like Congressman Butterfield that will raise an alert, that will blow the trumpet and say, look, there is a problem in this country, and until we somebody speaks out, and we salute Congressman Butterfield for his efforts. We're coming right back, folks. Hang on to your seat. It is 71 degrees a little bit ago here in Colorado Springs. 71, do you believe it? In February, 35 degrees and sunny in New York, a little chilly, and 66 in Los Angeles, and in our nation's capital, 36 and mostly clear. What is going on? With the weather, we're not going to complain about it, folks, but grab something, if you will, as the evening on the East Coast is 9.20, and time to tuck the kids in. Folks, remember, spring is around the corner, and we're coming back here on AJC Radio as we continue Spotlight on Capitol Hill with Congressman G.K. Butterfield making a imprint, if you will, on America. Coming right back. is important because it shows where you're coming from and where you're going. Type 2 diabetes is something that runs in my family, which means I'm at risk. In fact, one in three American adults are at risk for developing type 2 diabetes. And knowing this, if I do nothing, that family history becomes my family's future. And my family is too important to me for that. Take the risk factor assessment today at AskGreenNo.com. Over a million people are sitting in the prisons of America for nonviolent offenses. That's why I'm asking you to join the American Civil Liberties Union and help us in the fight to end mass incarceration. We spend over $80 billion a year incarcerating people. Alternatives to prison, like community service, drug treatment, and rehabilitation costs less and can turn lives around. It's time for fair justice. It's time for smart justice. And we need your help. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now add a wrongful conviction to that, life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with. Especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions by remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation. You can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. 
Call or just calls today. One eight five 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 two nine four two five two. We seek justice for the children. As they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. today to join you in what I call a necessary movement. Dr. Dr. King said in his letter from the Birmingham jail, I am here because injustice is here. I am absolutely appalled that elected officials who serve in that building right across the street have chosen to make policy decisions that hurt people hurt people who are already hurting. I have been watching the wrecking ball that's in play here in Raleigh and I don't like it. The House majority and the Senate majority have a concerted plan to send a loud signal to poor people, not just in North Carolina, but across the nation, that the government is not your protector, the government is not your safety net when you experience financial hardship. They say that the role of government is not to protect the least of these in our society. They say in a free market society, you are on your own. Is this who we are? No! As most of you know, I've been around for some years now. I have seen governors and legislatures come to this city and pass legislation making North Carolina a shining example of how a southern state can overcome its past and provide equal opportunity under the law. I have seen that. I have seen elected officials from both political parties, from both political parties over the years. I've seen it. They've worked together to provide a social safety net that protects children and seniors, protect the unemployed and the homeless, and provide a system of education that can compete with the best. I have seen a bipartisan legislature make registering to vote and voting easy to accomplish. I have seen that over the years. But this governor, this governor and this legislature, legislature are determined to take us down a path that will hurt good North Carolina Carolina citizens who are suffering, suffering, People that we care about so much, they're suffering through no fault of their own. It is mean-spirited, and it is wrong. Is this who we are? No! Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, Wow. You know, it's a good thing, ladies and gentlemen, that we have the American flag, as we have requested uh, not further than three feet from me in this studio, as tonight on Spotlight on Capitol Hill, we have found something that has caught fire. And who is that tonight? It's Congressman G.K. Butterfield. And, Cliff, when you hear the congressman that riled up, if you will, what what happens to you? Chills kind of go through you. He's trying to motivate folks 
to say, look, we're not going to take this anymore. Your thoughts, Cliff? Well, you, you realize that he is feeling the pain of the people, that he's standing there. He's across the street from the Capitol building there in, uh, in Raleigh and saying, look, they are passing legislation that is against the welfare of the people of where they represent. And that is what you need in a congressman, whether it be uh, in a local perspective or a nationwide perspective, somebody who gets out, who feels the pain of the people, and who is willing uh, to to stand with them and say, look, I stand here with you. I make the statement that the legislation that, be, that is being passed is not what's right. That is the type of uh, members of Congress that we need that will make a decision and stand for that decision not just because it sounds politically grand, but because it's the right thing to do and because it affects people not only in their districts, but nationwide to say, look, this is this is what is right. This is what should and must be done to ensure the uh, liberty for all of America. No, absolutely. And, and it doesn't stop there. I think this is exciting. Ladies and gentlemen of America, make no mistake about it. Uh, you're not uh, chosen as the chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. Uh, because you're just kind of uh, eased by, if you will. You're doing something. Some, somebody has seen something in you that says we need leadership. Washington needs leadership over these committees, over these particular things that are happening there. And con- and Congressman Butterfield, Lisa, when we talked to him, uh, was very, uh, I believe, uh, very motivated in his role as, as chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. But here's the difference, America. He made one point. It's not just about black people. That's right. He said, we are concerned about the American people. So it's not just about black people. As people said, the Congressional Black Caucus. Con- Congressman Butterfield has a heart for people. And I'm going to tell you, poverty has no color. It's black. It's white. It's Hispanic. It's every ethnic background you can think of. It brings the same amount of distress, the same amount of pain. And, in- and to lawmakers, Lisa, come together, as Congressman Butterfield continues to allude to, Change is never going to happen. And we have to become outraged. Dennis, as you said earlier, outraged at the fact, what in the world are our veterans' families doing hungry? What are we talking about, Lisa, when we say, oh, just take the food out their mouth? That's right. As their families fight for the freedoms that we hold in this country. Your thoughts on that? I I think it's sad that it even has to be addressed. This is not the kind of thing that should have to be discussed. It shouldn't have to be voted on. It should be just understood that you do what you can to help the people that are not as privileged, that to do what you can for the less fortunate. It should just be a common thing, but it's so, it's not. You know, it's not. And, and, and you know, I would, I'm so grateful for Congressman Butterfield because guess what? Somebody's got to speak to it. Somebody's got to say we can't tolerate this. That's right. Somebody on the Hill has to say it is enough. We will not tolerate this. We will fight against it. We will speak against it. We will cause lawmakers, we will cause the American people to become outraged at the fact. It's not, it's, again, it's just not food stamps. It's no, highways. It's, it's infrastructure in, across this country. Without infrastructure, you can't get to work. When you've got broke-down bridges, you can't get from point A to point B. When you've got government buildings that are breaking down, no money's being put into these buildings, into schools, into education. The list goes on and on. And guess what? Who's at the top of that list? Congressman Butterfield. And look, something has to happen. Dennis, your thoughts? It's time for America. I mean, these, these, these politicians are elected officials. We, we the people, vote these people in. That's right. 
And so America has to start looking at get off this this politic this 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 wagon this 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 uh, party wagon. We got to get off that. We got to start electing people that care about people. And, and if the, you don't care, yeah. I'm not on your wagon. I'm not following you just because you're a Republican. I'm following you because you care about every man, woman, boy, and girl, whether they're poor, rich, black, white, educated, uneducated. You care about people. That's why I'm voting for you. But no other reason. Not not because you're a Democrat or a Republican, but because you care about people. And, and I think that's what it boils down to. And, and, and you know, we, we talked earlier, Lisa, the Congressional Black Caucus has actually done some things bipartisan with you know with the bipartisan effect yes, if you will have. where they've worked together especially what Congressman Butterfield shared with us criminal justice reform he said at the top of the list why mass incarceration wrongful convictions white collar crimes as we discussed uh, in the in regards to the IRP six to people just being done wrong families being torn apart I believe Congressman Butterfield as chair of the Congressional Black Caucus I believe those things are important to him. And, and, you know, my, one of the things that uh, really caught my my attention in the interview with him was that he said, you know, we don't get a lot of attention because that's not what we're looking for. We're not looking for <laughs> attention. Exactly. We're looking for results. We're, uh, he said they were sitting down with the, uh, with the, uh, the, president. the president talking about the criminal reform issues and saying, look, these are things that we feel as the Congressional Black Caucus, as others – uh, you know, in in other caucuses, saying these are the things that need to be hap- that need to be happening, Mr. President. These are the changes that need to be made. Not what's all out in the media and everybody sure. is hype about, but these are the things that affect American people. They says I'm not looking for attention. I'm not looking for praise of the people. I am looking to help my fellow man. Whoa. I'm looking to ensure that America has a future that's proper and not that just brings children from, you know, sure. school to prison pipeline and the, the whole mass incarceration uh, incarceration issue. He's looking for results at the at the top with the people who can who can make those decisions. Well absolutely. And he said those are the, the, the generals, if you will, of Congress, the legislative powers that they and, and, and Cliff to your point, he's not starting just at a certain level. He starts at the bottom with our children. Yeah. He's starting there. It says he served this is elementary and secondary education. He secured two point three Congressman Butterfield, make it so you know who we're talking about, secured two point three million dollars in education grants that went to nine school districts in eastern North Carolina. The funds were used for teacher development, training, focused on driving student achievement in low income communities. Congressman Butterfield helped secure $400 million for North Carolina's public schools by advocating the state be selected for U.S. Department of Education race to the top funds. North Carolina was one of 19 states to win a combined $4 billion to improve their public education system. During reauthorization of the Elementary and Secondary Education Act, Congressman Butterfield supported more than $57 million in Title I funds coming to eastern north carolina to support disadvantaged students now this, Folks, we, go ahead cliff no i'm just saying this is a man that's about the people absolutely you don't see that's that, what i see what you read didn't say anything about constructing a, a new government building for him to work in having his uh you know his office redecorated with mahogany and marble you don't read those things about congressman butterfield yeah. he said i'm about educating the next level the next generation 
the next group of congressmen, the next president there you go. is in this group of children is the way he looks at it. And it's like this is what you have to be about to ensure that it is that there is hope for everyone, not just the people who live in the middle class or higher. You're talking about going to the poverty-stricken areas and say, look, these children deserve to be educated just as much as the children in the well, Ivy League community. And the money is where – he said in the interview, well, we, we, can, we have the purses. We, we control the purse. the purse. But I'll tell you what. He didn't stop there, Cliff. Congressman Butterfield also secured a grant for over $930,000 for Wilson OIC that was used to help train unemployed and dislocated workers in five green industries, renewable electrical power, energy-efficient buildings, construction and, and, and retrofit, recycling and waste reduction, and manufacturing. Every part of the workforce of America, he says, we need to do this and make it happen. He went further. Additionally, he helped HBCU, Elizabeth City State University, secure $800,000 to rehabilitate 30 owner-operated homes, provide housing, counseling, financial literacy, and for more than 300 area residents, assist first-time home buyers with down payment assistance and modernize a computer learning center that serves 120 adults and 300 children. Folks, this is walking the walk. This is a man who is about the community, about the American people. You don't, he doesn't have to get up and say, hey, I'm about the American people. Look at his record, his record from 2004 until today, and you see that this is a member of Congress who has said, I am about the American people, and, and that is what it is. It, th- these are the type of people we need in Congress. That says, hey, I'm about the little man, I'm about the middle man, and I'm about ensuring that the man at the top does his part as well. This is what it's about. The whole community of America coming together and being driven by the type of people who are willing to put in the work like Congressman G.K. Butterfield. I I commend him. Well, well, what do you say? Are we talking about the Smith's, what is is it, the Smithsonian Channel that deals with generals, folks that have made an impact? Folks, ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it. Congressman G.K. Butterfield is just getting started. And guess what, folks? It's hot in here at AJC Radio because I'll tell you what, we're excited and we're optimistic that something is happening on our nation's capital. Folks, hang in there. We're coming back with our next segment. And I don't know how to, Lisa, how do we end this one with a gentleman of this statue and the things that he's doing? What in the world do we do here? You know, Lamont, I don't know what you can do except say, wow. Well, there you go, folks, and uh, we'll use whatever adjective seems fit uh, as we tonight have shined the spotlight on Congressman G.K. Butterfield. We salute you, uh, Congressman. Keep up the good work. Folks, come back with us as we conclude and get ready to get into the IRP6 issues, which, Cliff, we believe that Congressman Butterfield may be interested, as he stated to us, in reading that material we left him regarding the IRP6. So I'll tell you what, folks, hang on to your seats. Tuck the kitties in. We're coming to the final segment here on Spotlight on Capitol Hill. Hang in there. We're coming right back.
50 white guys. Here are 50 black guys. Here's how many white guys can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. The chances amount to 1 out of 17. Now, here's how many black guys can expect the same thing. The chances are 1 out of 3. Why? Lots of reasons. It's complicated, but one thing is clear. There's a racial bias at every level of the criminal justice system. When blacks and whites commit the same kind of crimes, blacks are more likely to be arrested. Once arrested, they're more likely to be convicted. Once convicted, they're more likely to serve longer sentences. Look at the numbers in America's so-called war on drugs. About 14% of America's drug users are black, as are about a quarter of drug sellers. Yet black is 34% of people arrested for drug crimes. And those convicted of drug crimes, 46% are black. By the time we factor in sentencing, there are actually more black drug offenders than white ones in state prisons and federal prisons. In the end, the incarceration rate for drug crimes is 10 times higher for blacks than it is for whites. These are the facts. Racial disparities in America's war on drugs are one big reason that one of three black men can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. Some people think that business is a game. And what we have learned is that business actually is war. When they wanted people to sign non-disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff, sometimes they didn't want to do it. Strange to me. I think it's still strange. It absolutely makes no sense. Is this really real? Is this happening? And then all of a sudden your whole life is ripped apart. What we have learned is that the RP6 story was supposed to be the American dream is an American nightmare. They were floored that uh, they were even being raided. Um, uh, it became very clear that the court-appointed attorneys were not working for the guys. Um, and it, it seemed like in many cases that they were um, collaborating or working with the prosecution. We constantly hear in the news, every week you're going to hear about another person wrongfully convicted. And this is a unique case in the sense that you have six men, six businessmen that have been wrongfully convicted. You would think the media would jump all over it. Justice is not fair anymore. They say justice is supposed to be blind. It's not blind. It's not blind. They pick and choose who they want to convict and who they want to send against. Is this happening in America? The American dream of the RP6 has turned into a nightmare, crying children left behind as a result of a corrupt system and corruption. We will seek and search for justice. We will ask the tough questions. We will demand answers as justice lays idle in the streets of America. We look for the answer. Ladies and gentlemen, go out to change.org, sign the petition now. America's future depends on it. And what you didn't know about the IRP6. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Spotlight on Capitol Hill. As we change gears 
and we change seats tonight as we get ready to ask the tough questions and inform America of what you didn't know about the RP6. One thing is certain, ladies and gentlemen of America, and that's this. End, or to what lengths, if you will, will corruption officials, will corrupt officials and people who are supposed to be administers of justice continue to trample the Constitution. They have no regard for the Constitution. They have no regard for rights of citizens. What you didn't know about the RP6 case is that in February 2009, there was an issue in regards to the FBI going and attaining records, bank records, of a religious institution. And they went in without a subpoena. Does that seem real in America? That the place where you go on the weekends to worship, to practice your religious right, would come under uh, the fire, if you will, of this type of corruption? Cliff, we understand very clearly that you cannot go into a church's account without subpoena and with no regard for the law or the rights of the church or members of the church. Yes, and the the very strange or obscure or whatever words you want to use it, uh, as we looked into the court records, and you see Assistant U.S. Attorney Matthew Kirsch having a conversation with Judge Arguello, and, I mean, if you don't believe me, we can provide you with the court documentation, with the, with the transcript of the hearing, where Assistant U.S. Attorney Matthew Kirsch asked the judge, even if I did acquire the records illegally, I still don't feel that they have the right to privacy for those financial records. Now, you would think, well, that being said in front of a judge, that there has to be some type of recourse if the judge comes back and says, well, I do feel that they have a right to privacy and that something went awry when you went into these financial records. But then you see, as everything else that Judge Christine Arguello did in this case, she did not come back and apply justice, but bias against the IRP-6. And there were, there were in, in, I mean, this is our research. We are not attorneys, but we talked to some attorneys about this. Uh, namely, attorneys on the Ways and Means Committee yes. of, of the United States uh, you know, Senate. They said uh, that does not jive. This is quote that does not jive with what I learned in law school. And when when we told them, look, there there are no there's no um, investigation against the church. There's no need for for the IRS or the uh, federal government to have the church's bank accounts. And when when um, Deutschner, who is the spokesman for the U.S. Attorney's Office, John Walsh up in Denver, Colorado, was asked, is there an investigation against the church? Why do you have the church? Right? Well, there is no investigation. The church was never under investigation. It has nothing to do with this case. So then why do you have the church's financial record? Well, here, I have no comment. Here's the issue, Cliff, on that fact. They thought to seek out to create a theory in the case. So what they did, they thought they would find wrongdoing by the church. They found no wrongdoing by the church. By not, this is not by any coincidence, ladies and gentlemen of America. The IRP six men were members of the same church in which this violation of law occurred. Who are the IRP six? David Banks, Gary Walker, Kendrick Barnes, 
Dave Zappolo, Clinton Stewart, Demetrius Harper. It's not a coincidence that this church was targeted by three entities of government. The IRS, the FBI, and the U.S. Attorney's Office sought out to create a theory of a crime. The reason things have gone away is because there was no crime, not only not by the church, but not by these six men. So in order to try to create a case because they had egg on their face, they decided to go after these six men, wrongfully indict them, and violate almost every constitutional rule of law to secure a conviction. What does that tell you? Cliff alluded to the, the, United, the Senate Finance Committee is digging. They are looking. They are concerned. Ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it. This is a violation of law. Does it have to visit your front door first before you get it? We need you to get involved. America needs to get involved. Six men, young men, have been taken from their families as a result of injustice. When you think of that, ladies and gentlemen, we, make, we do not make light of this. These are real men, real patriots of America who sought out to do one thing, keep America safe. America comes back and they thank them with a jail cell in federal prison. This is unbelievable. Lisa, when you hear this, and it says here that, uh, that the assistant attorney, Kirsch, made a statement that even if the records were obtained improperly, it wasn't relevant to the case. Well, then why are there 9,000 records court, as far as church information kept by the U.S. Attorney's Office? Why was those records 9,000? 9,000 pages. That's a contradiction, and it is a blatant lie. You targeted this church. The evidence is overwhelming. Ladies and gentlemen, go to change.org. Search IRP6. Sign the petition as we seek justice. Clip. Yes, we want to uh, say thank you to everyone in the chat room. <laughs> uh, I was uh, reading some of that court documentation. It really gets, uh, gets to you when you start going back over. But, well, I'll tell you what, Cliff. You know, folks, make no mistake about it. This situation will leave you speechless. <laughs> That's because you can't believe it. You cannot believe, is this actually real? Uh, so I'll tell you what, uh, Cliff had a speechless moment because this is overwhelming. I'm telling you, you start reading it. Is and this you, real? You and I didn't, mean this? Inter- I didn't mean to interrupt your reading, no, Cliff. No, it's all good. Here I we mean, go. Yeah, exactly. you, you look at this documentation and you sense. say this happened in a courtroom with a judge present. A judge. And the judge is responding to the prosecutor and then comes back and does absolutely nothing when he has just said. A corrupt judge. A corrupt judge. <laughs> the prosecutor said, even if I did get the records illegally, so what, Your Honor? Well, he what, should have been he should that? have been handcuffed right then. He should have been he should have been sanctioned by the court at that moment and an investigation should have started, but we know this is Judge Christie, corrupt judge. Christine Arguello, and she will do nothing even close to the word justice. And my understanding here is that this uh, violation of law and obtaining of these records went over, what, five years? Yeah. Over a five. It didn't happen. It wasn't an isolated incident. Oh, we made a mistake. Five years. You continue to do this. There are records that show that uh, the grand jury was held one year. They were pulling records three years later. With the same so-called permission of the grand jury. And uh, the, the issue was brought up, well, Your Honor, as far as 
we know that grand jury was out of session three years later. Now, are you telling me that he's still allowed to use the same permission from wow. that grand jury to get records three years later? That is not the law. It's not the law. It doesn't. It 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 is a violation. You don't have to go to law school, folks, to understand. And if churches now become targets of corruption by overzealous prosecutors to create a case, Grandma's church down the street on Mulberry Boulevard is going to have a problem. The small churches become targets. Yes. The churches that are there to do what they need to do, to encourage, to inspire, to even set precedence by example to help even people vote and do the right thing by government. Now those institutions become targets. And so you know that the individual does not stand a chance against the federal government. Absolutely. That's what are we going to do? No one should be above the law. No one. I'm sorry. Nobody. And I'll tell you, folks, this is, this is not a joke, a game, or, or something. that we make this up? We're not writers. We don't write movies or screenplay. This is real. America stands at a, in a position tonight. The things that cre- created that made America strong at one point was the foundation of religious right and the practice to, the right to practice that and to go to your local church and to worship and to deal with the things that life may bring and they now become prey in the mouths of pariah. Folks, we're talking about the RP6. Who are they? This show is dedicated to them. David Banks, Gary Walker, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zapolo, Clinton Stewart, Demetrius Harper. Victims of injustice, but there are perpetrators that started it. Lisa, who are they? We have U.S. Attorney John Walsh, Assistant U.S. Attorney Matthew Kirsch, Assistant U.S. Attorney Sunita Hazra, Attorney Greg Goldberg, Federal Judge Christine Arguello, Appellate Judge Jerome Holmes, Appellate Judge Bobby Baldock, Appellate Judge Harris Hart, Federal Judge R. Brooke Jackson, Magistrate Judge Craig Schaefer, Court Reporter Darlene Martinez, FBI Agent John Smith, FBI Agent Robert Moen, Former Federal Agent John Epps, Former Federal Agent Gary Hilberry, Attorney, Attorney Thomas Goodrich, Attorney Clifford Barnard, Attorney Thomas Richard, Attorney Robert Berger, Attorney Mitchell Baker, Attorney Boston Staten Jr., Attorney Rick Kornfeld, Attorney Mark Garagos, Susan Holland, and Samuel K. Thurman. And thank you, Cliff. Yes, I want to say thank you to everyone in the chat room. We appreciate all your comments and your questions tonight. Also, we don't say thank you. We want to say thank you to our production crew, K&D Productions, Captain Kyle, Dustin Jackson, helping out Ill Skills Girl in the control room to make sure you hear what it is that we have to say. Also, to our research team, we want to thank you for the accurate and up-to-date information that you give us so that we can pass that on to our listeners and to the truth. We know you're out there. We appreciate it. And, folks, make no mistake about it. Remember the petition for Renee Lima Marin at AJC Radio. There's a link there. Lisa, the gentleman wrongfully sent back to prison to do 98 years after completing 15 years in prison. Uh, They took him from his home, his family, uh, Jasmine, uh, his wife. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. Folks, go out to change.org, sign their petition as we seek justice to bring Renee home to his family and to his two kids. Folks, justice 
is running is laying idle in the streets of America, it's time that something happens. So, folks, also go to AJCRadio.com. You can hear this show and all our other archives of our programs. Please go out there. Also, the PRN Progressive Radio Network on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. We are also on 405 Media On Demand on 405 Radio. Uh, also, I, we have, it is available. The show is available on iTunes as well. Uh, please uh, tune in that. And every Thursday evening, Spotlight on Capitol Hill. As folks, tonight the temperature had to get over 100 as we began to shine the light on Congressman G.K. Butterfield. We thank him also uh, for taking time with us in Washington, D.C., and we appreciate that and all that he's done uh, to do uh, to, to help make the changes that he's doing. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, uh, and also, again, if you want to learn more about the IRP6 guys, their story, the victims of injustice, feel free to go to www.freetheirp6.org. And also, again, anything on this radio program that you're interested in looking, listening to, tell your friends, folks, your family about what we're doing here, and tune in. You can tune in anytime. Uh, Anytime you wake up in the morning, you want to log in, you can hear what AJC Radio is doing and what our officials are talking about and the topics that Shape a Nation are happening uh, right now. So definitely do that. Also, you can go to AJ uh, Just Calls website, which is www.a-justcalls.com. And, uh, folks, I'll tell you right now, uh, this is going to get bigger and bigger. And we have to do one thing, and that is to continue to let our voice be heard and this platform uh, to be heard as we continue. Ladies and gentlemen, make, make a note of this. Let's Talk returns to Colorado Springs Fellowship March 15th. Mark your calendars. Because it's going to be hot in there as well. Uh, Let's Talk will be taken off. That is hosted by Pastor Rose Banks, Colorado Springs Fellowship Church, as we bring members of the community together to talk and make a difference in the lives of not only ourselves but our children and and hopefully be a model uh, for this country about bringing people together uh, to talk. I'll tell you right now, folks, thanks for joining us. I'm Lamont Banks along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt. And, folks, if you think it got hot tonight, Bring your fans next time as we do another Spotlight on Capitol Hill. Good night, America. Good night. Good night. Do you solemnly swear that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that you will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that you would take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which you are about to enter, so help you God. Congratulations. You're now members of the 114th Congress. Hello, I'm Congressman G.K. Butterfield asking for your support as I seek to once again serve you in Congress. Too many North Carolina families are struggling to make ends meet and put food on the table. But that's not right. If you work hard and play by the rules, you should have a fair shot at achieving the American dream. But for too many, this dream feels out of reach. No single mother in America should work and still live in poverty. No veteran who has defended our country should come home but have no place to call home. No family should... for elderly parents when that same family is having trouble caring for itself. We can do better. America deserves better. But the extreme policies of Republicans here in Washington and in Raleigh are making life worse. 
They are cutting programs that provide a safety net for the poor and help grow the middle class. In Washington, Republicans shut down the government, refused to help the long-term unemployment, buying millions of Americans a pay raise. In Raleigh, Republicans cut education funding. They cut it to the bone, denied a half million people access to health care by refusing to expand the Medicaid program and are trying to silence people by making it harder to vote. It is clear the Republicans in Washington and Raleigh are pursuing the same destructive path. Enough is enough. It's time to move our country in a new direction. When I spoke recently at a Moral Monday rally, I joined the diverse coalition demanding that we improve our policies and our politics. We have a moral obligation to ensure that we do not sacrifice the the many for the benefit of the few. Our mission is to close the opportunity gap. Our mission is to reduce poverty and grow the middle class. I am running for Congress so I can continue to fight for what we believe Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.